Welcome, and thank you for stopping by Biker Church, Wiley, Texas. Please help us welcome our special guest speaker today. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, back. For just one week that I'm back, we'll show the Lord in prayer. <laughs> Most gracious Heavenly Father, we just come to you today, Lord, and we want to thank you on this beautiful day that you've given us to come and to worship you, Lord. We're going to be doing this in uh, song and praise and everything else, Lord, but we're also going to be having a special guest speaker here today, Lord, that we can't wait to hear what you've told him to tell us today. And again, Lord, we just thank you for this day. We just want to ask you to continue to bless this little church we have here, Lord. Help us to continue to serve not only this community, but through the technology we have in the world today, we can go all over the world, and we're just thankful that we are able to do that. And we see every day that we have more and more people joining us to see what you're teaching our little church here and how we can spread the good news of Jesus Christ. And because of Jesus Christ, we are now know that we can be saved of our sins, and it's because of him dying on the cross and him rising from the dead that we know that we can also be risen and we'll just accept him as our Lord and Savior. Thank you again just for uh, being here and sending your son to die on the cross for our sins. In his name we come. Amen. Amen. So, for some of you I don't remember, I'm Jimmy Allen. I am one of the one of the uh, elders that we have of this church, and I haven't been here in quite a while, so I haven't even be seated. And so, uh, I haven't been here in, in in a while, and I don't exactly remember what the order is of how to start off the church. But I hope I can struggle through this and get it done. But one of the little things I do want to talk about this morning, real quickly, is uh, on Saturday nights. I'm involved in a Zoom uh, Bible study, which a friend of mine, Scott, is really great at doing uh, studies on things. He's doing the studies on the feast right now, the seven feasts that, uh, that the Jewish people uh, uh, celebrated and were told to do these feasts by the Lord uh, God. And uh, through these feasts, there's, there's the spring feast and then there's the winter feast. Okay, the spring feasts have all been fulfilled. Those all have to do with Christ and his coming. But the fall feasts are of the future. So we need to look forward to these fall feasts because some people believe that during the fall is when the Christ, when the Lord will come back and, and be with us. So uh, we know that uh, even though we celebrate Christmas or Christ's birthday at uh, December because of what we know in the Bible because the shepherds wouldn't have been out in the fields in December, they would have been out in the fields in the springtime. That's where uh, we're really Christ was probably born more in the springtime. But we celebrated at Christmas because that was just the way that everybody, there were a lot of other celebrations going on at that time with a number of other nations and everything, so the Christians jumped in on it too. I wish we had a gotten it good. We got it the right way. We had Christmas in the springtime, but we don't. But anyway, the spring festivals are the ones that are the uh, festivals that celebrate the uh, coming of Christ and the fall festivals are the one that is return of Christ. So that's just a little thing I want you to look forward to and to do more study on that on your own. And if you have any questions, you can come to me because I've got all the literature that uh, Scott has given me about the, the feast. So, with that said, um, and I think we're now at the point where I can say the offertory prayer and the deacons can start passing off for you. But I'll give just a little more time for some of you guys to fill those out. Got it? Okay. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we just come to today, Lord, and we just want to thank you again for this beautiful day that you've given us. We're going to be now taking up our offering, Lord, and we just ask you to help us to dig deep into our pockets to help this small church continue to grow and continue to do financially so we can do the good news of spreading the word and, and continue to um, 
bless your community that uh, we're here in, Lord. And we just ask you to bless, uh, take these offerings and bless them and make them grow and help us again, like I said, to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. In his name we come. Amen. Amen. With that said, let's welcome Tony to the pulpit. Good morning. Good morning. Let's say a quick, quick prayer. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this church. Thank you for this beautiful day. May you bless everyone here. May we learn about your boundless and unending mercy and love you have for us. May this message be piercing to someone's heart. They come to you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Good morning. Well, this is my second time preaching. Those of you who were here the first time I preached, I, I used to ride mountain bikes. I felt like I rode 20 miles on a mountain bike last time. I was all over the place, so I'm going to try and stay in one spot more. It'll be difficult, but I'm going to do my best. Um, I wanted to preach today about the good news, about the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Christ, the greatest gift that mankind has ever received. It's the greatest statement of love that God could ever do for us. But no, God says not yet. I, got, I have unfinished business with last week's sermon, and that's to talk about sin. So God has taken me back to sin again, and let's start off with what is the definition of sin? Well, let's go to Romans 1, 18 through 19, and I'll give you the definition, definition of sin as you go there. Let me know, Give me an amen when you get there. Romans 1, 18 through 19. The simplest definition of sin was given by John. And basically, the definition of sin is lawlessness. And in John, 1 John, he says, Paul gives us, uh, he says, everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. I like... Paul's description in 1, 18 and 19, because he gives us the root cause of sin. So let's read. <clears throat> the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what he may, know, may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. So in that he gives us the root cause, and it's basically ungodliness and unrighteousness. So basically, we're turning away from God. And it, as you look at our country today, which way are we heading? Yeah, we're heading away from God, not to, toward God. So that is one aspect of it. But also, if you read in verse 19... What does Paul say? Everything that is known about God is evident in us. He says there, let me read it again. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God has made it evident to them. So basically what God is saying here is there's, we have no excuse. 
We have no excuse. He made it evident in us. So people say, well, if nobody hears the gospel, how will they know? Well, God says it right here. There is no wiggle room. He has made it evident to all men. He's our creator. So there's no way out. So now that we're, <laughs> we're built this way, that God has created us to be evident of, of God, where did sin come from? Where did sin originate? Adam and Eve. Very good. So Adam and Eve is how sin came to man. But do you know who sinned first? Satan. Where? In heaven. Exactly. So before sin came to Adam, Adam and Eve, Satan was in heaven. And you can go to Isaiah. I know we're jumping around a lot. Isaiah 14, 12 through 15 show, uh, explains how sin came to the Garden of Eden uh, in Adam and Eve. But sin actually started in heaven. So you had an angel up there who saw the throne of God. He saw the throne, and he wanted it. He coveted. I want that throne. He got a third of the angels to support him. He started a war in heaven, and that was the first sin. So this angel's name was the morning star, was his name. So let's read Isaiah Isaiah 14, 12 through 15. Let me know when you get there. I know we're jumping around a lot. Yeah. I'll go ahead and read it. <clears throat> How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. Have you been cast down to earth? Who? You who once laid low the nations, you said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly on the utmost heights of Mount Zephon. I will ascend the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. So obviously... <laughs> He didn't succeed in heaven. But sin started in heaven. It started a war. This war is raging. It's a raging war. Uh, in my Bible study, I teach war, I think, every day lately. <laughs> so basically, that's the war that started in heaven, in God, with a third of the angels, and he casted them down into the, into the earth. So that's how he got into the garden. But war is actually... Actually, sin started in heaven, and it affected heaven as well. So you can imagine God up there battling a third of his angels. Total, total disruption in heaven as well. And what does he do? He casts Lucifer, the angel, who is his head angel, the angel of light, the angel of music in heaven, and he casts him down to earth with a third of the angels. And that's how he ended up in the Garden of Eden as a serpent, bringing sin to man. So the war is, is still continuing. 
Now, when Adam and Eve, as we discussed my first sermon, Adam and Eve were living in paradise, and everything was going well till the serpent said, oh, you can eat of that tree, and of course we know what happened. Uh, Eve ate of the tree, but I wanted to point out that Adam and Eve sinned before they had children, before they were able to reproduce and have children. Can you imagine if they had waited a little longer and actually had children without sin? It would, exactly. It would be like, all right, I'm going to have a baby. No big deal, right? <laughs> Here you go. But imagine having, raising children, being married for, I'm sure Adam and Eve spent a lot of time in, in the garden, but imagine with children. It's like, who left the empty box of cereal in the cupboard. Have you ever said that to your kids? And imagine getting an honest answer. <laughs> oh, I did. I, I put the empty bottle, or who put that milk carton back in the fridge and it's empty? Or for me, it was the peanut butter jar, right? Empty, who did? I love peanut butter, right? So there's no, <laughs> can you imagine living your life without sin? But unfortunately, as it turned out, Adam and Eve sinned before they had Cain and Abel, and then that sin continued on. Of course, we know what happened there. Cain murdered Abel, and sin has been in humanity since the beginning. It's still here today. It's always been here. And when I'm discussing this sermon with God, he said, Tony, you're just a sinner, a humble sinner standing before other sinners. <laughs> We are all sinners. It will be with us till Christ comes back. So what God did, <clears throat> so from my last sermon, remember we talked about the different levels of sin. We talked about trespasses, transgressions, inequity. So the first sin for man was a transgression. He said not to eat of that tree. So that would be the first law. So what God does to expose sin is he gives us the law. The law can't solve sin, but it can point out our faults, point out that we need God. We all need God. At any point, at any point of our salvation, no matter where you're at, God is in control every step of the way. So when the law was given, the sin problem was pointed out. Let's go to Romans 3.20. Give me an amen when you get there. All right. All right, in Romans 3.20, <clears throat> before I read this, I want to point out that as Adam and Eve grew their family, that sin went to every nation on the earth. So sin is everywhere in all the creation. In Romans 3.20, <clears throat> I'll read it. For no person will be justified... And justify means free of guilt and declared righteous. That's what justified means. 
in his sight by trying or in his sight by the works of the law. For through the law we become conscious of sin, and the recognition of sin directs us toward repentance, but provides no remedy for sin. So that applies to to everyone. Let's go to Romans three, nine through ten. Romans 3, 9 through 10, it should be uh, pretty close to where you're at. I want to read this one. Well then, are we Jews? When he's, I'm adding Jews. I have the amplified version. So this is Paul speaking, and he is a Jew. So he said, well then, are we Jews better off than they? Not at all, for we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are under the control of sin, subject to his power. As it is written and forever remains written, there is none righteous, none, not even one. So, pretty much tells me that it's all our problem. You can't make excuses, just like God made it evident in all men. There's, there's no way out. The only solution to sin is Jesus. And he gave us the solution by coming down to earth. Actually, God is the solution. He came down to earth. I guess if you want the job done right, you do it yourself. <laughs> That's what God said in heaven. I got to fix this, and I'm coming down to earth, and I'm going to fix it. He's going to fix it for good. So when he came down... He came down as the begotten son of Jesus Christ. Now, a begotten son of Jesus Christ is, is begotten by the Holy Spirit through Mary. So he is the begotten son. Now, he came down as a humble man, as a servant of God. And he was God at the same time. It's a miracle. But not any more of a miracle that then God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And not any more of a miracle that you as a sinner can be deemed righteous before God. There's plenty of miracles. And I want to preach about the great gift that God has, but we've got a little ways to go. <laughs> so he was born, lived, and died, and resurrected on the earth. This is a fact this is the greatest gift, and it is a fact of the Bible that the world is trying to keep from us, and for many reasons, because it is the way to salvation. It is the way to heaven. Yes. So what did Jesus do on earth to solve the problem of sin? What did he do? Absolutely. But I want to first discuss what he did not do. Now, don't panic. Don't panic on this next scripture. I want to go to Matthew 5, 17 through 20. I want to put a disclaimer here. Before we read it, Paul gives us a solution to this scripture. <laughs> you mean the amen when you get there? 
So in God's solution through Jesus, let's see what he did not do. Matthew 5, 17. Are we ready? Do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will be any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Where do we want to go? Where do Christians want to go? To heaven. So what does this mean? Does this mean I've got to study the 600 plus, plus laws in the Old Testament? Does that mean that? Okay, I can do the Ten Commandments, but I can't do the 600 plus laws of the Old Testament. Or what about the Midrash? And you probably know what a Midrash is. It's the uh, Midrash Halakha that has the 2,000 laws plus laws that the Jews were following. So the Jews were trying to get to heaven by following the law. But the law isn't going to get them there. He isn't gonna, it isn't going to get them there. So the answer is no. We're not going to get there. But yet, Paul is saying we're not going to get to heaven unless we have the righteousness greater than the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. How do we solve this dilemma? For me to get to heaven, I've got to be better than them. And I know two commandments. Love God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, and love your neighbors as yourself. Is that enough law to get me there? Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> so let's see. How does, this, how does this work? Let us learn from Israel the chosen people of God, the light of the world, to, to shine God's light to all the world. Were they successful with the law? No. Let's learn from them. The solution is in Romans 9, 30-33. Give me an amen when you get there. I'll talk while you're getting there. This scripture, yes, 9, 30-33. This scripture is what started the Reformation of the church, the Great Reformation. This is the scripture that started what's called sola fide. You heard me say this before. Faith alone. It is faith alone that saves us. No one else. It's your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. So this scripture here is going to give us the solution. And this scripture is Romans 9. is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. It's probably the most intense display of God's sovereignty. Are we ready? Verse 30. What shall, what shall we say then? Or what then shall we say? 
that the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained it. Righteousness, that is by faith, by the people of Israel who pursued the law as a way of righteousness, had not attained their goal. Why? Why did they not attain it? Very next verse, or it's in the same verse. Because they pursued it not by faith, not by faith, but as if it were by works. If there's anything you ever hear me say, or any other preacher say, the most important thing you can remember is that it is faith in Jesus Christ that your salvation depends upon. Nothing else. Your faith in Jesus Christ is the most important gift you could ever have on this earth. It's more valuable than gold. It's more valuable than your motorcycle. Did I say that? <laughs> Sorry, Buell. You're good. But faith in Jesus Christ is the most important thing you can do in your entire life. And share that faith with your children, your grandchildren. Hi, Anthony. Share it with them. Faith in Jesus Christ is the greatest thing you can do, the greatest accomplishment you can have in your life. This faith has got to endure to the end. To the end. How far did we get? <laughs> it's easy to lose track up here. Did we get to 30? 33. Okay. As it is written, I lay in Zion a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. It's just awesome. Now that we know what Christ did not do, <laughs> he didn't do away with the law. He's going to make us righteous as if every letter of that law was fulfilled. We are going to be the deputies of the law when we are saved. It's not um, something we do. We don't sit down and memorize the law. We have faith in Christ is how we achieve the law. So the <clears throat> next scripture I want to look at, let's go to um, John 3.16. Let's see what God did. I know. John 3.16. What did God do? We know what he didn't do. He didn't do away with the law. John 3.16. Very common I probably don't even have to read this. You probably have it memorized. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 3.17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. And John is just full of love. John is the disciple of love. As I mentioned last week, when he was with his brother, he was sons of thunder. <laughs> but he became the, the disciple of love. After Jesus finished his work on earth, he was crucified. He was crucified, and that was kind of the, the finished the work of salvation. 
Now, after he was crucified, he was died and buried for three days and resurrected. But he said on the cross, and I think I have some more. Yeah. I know we're jumping around. Matthew 27, 50 through 51. At, at his death on the cross... Uh, 27, 50, and 51. I'm going to read it. <clears throat> and when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. He gave his spirit up. At that moment, the temple curtain, the veil in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and rocks split. That temple had a veil that was 60 feet high and four inches thick. And it tore from top to bottom. What Christ had done, he'd done many things. I probably got two or three more sermons on just what Christ did, and I would love to preach them. But what Christ had done at this point is he, by tearing the veil, is he reconciled God to mankind. And what reconciled means is kind of like what J.R. said. There's a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. You can forgive someone of something, but it doesn't mean you have to reconcile with them. And the difference is, is here God had forgiven all our sins past sins, present sins, future sins, all sin is forgiven, all of it. And at the same time, God reconciled himself to us. So not only did he forgive us, he reconciled us. He did two things. It's awesome. He did many things, but there's two I want to point out now. So when Jesus Christ died on this, on this cross, he got up on this cross and he died. He was guilty, guilty of all sin of all time, all of it. When Satan started the war against God, what was his weapon of choice? Sin. So now, when Jesus Christ received a guilty sentence... Of all our sin, he received that guilty sentence for us. He was innocent. He was innocent. He took all that sin. So what did he do to Satan's weapons? The weapons that Satan uses to bring us to hell. What did he do? He put it in his pocket. He just took that sin, dropped it in his pocket. So guess who has all the sin? Who has all the currency? If you look at it as currency, who owns, who's holding all the weapons that Satan uses to bring us to hell? Jesus. He's got it in his pocket. He can free you from the bondage of sin. 
from the bondage of Satan. You're no longer bound to him. Your sin is gone. It belongs to Jesus. He received the guilty plea for anything you've done, for everything you're doing now, and for everything you do in the future. It's done. He is, he's saying here, it is finished. It is done forever, for all time. We need Christ. His birth, his life, his death, his resurrection means something. There's not one issue, one thing that he's done in his life that wasn't wasted. Every step of his life was, had purpose. Did we go to John? Did we go to John yet? All right. Um, let's go to John 1930. I got ahead of myself. But basically it says, when Jesus received the sour wine, when he's up on the cross, he said, it is finished. He bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It's finished. It's done. The deal's done. There's nothing more important than that, to have faith in Christ. So despite this great news, <clears throat> this is the greatest news. It's the greatest gift God could ever give mankind. Sadly, not everybody's going to accept it. Not everybody is going to receive it. Many will not have faith or they will hear the gospel. And the gospel is what I call the tip of the sword. So the Bible, the holy word of God, is a double-edged sword. So this, this is God's weapon of choice. This is his weapon of choice. Satan has sin. This is God's weapon. It's a double-edged sword. The tip of this sword is the gospel. It's made to pierce the men, the hearts of men. Everybody. It's made to pierce it. And that's what the gospels do. So I call the gospels the tip of the sword. Not everybody's going to accept it, sadly. Unfortunately. Some... Some who do accept it can be shipwrecked. You can shipwreck your faith. Did you ever hear of that? Shipwreck your faith? So God uses that as someone who loses faith. You lose faith, you can get shipwrecked. You can fall out of grace of God. You can basically um, not believe in Jesus Christ anymore. It could happen. And then you can return to faith. He's going to accept you. He will accept you. Just like in the patch here, prodigal son. When you return back, he's going to bless you for returning back. He's going to give you a robe, rings, slaughter the fatted calf. It's not about judgment. It's about mercy. It's about the boundless, endless love that God has for us. 
it's always been about that. That's what he's about. Also, the, the prodigal son, there's also the, the lost sheep, the shepherd who leaves the 99 to find the one sheep. Same with the lost coin. These are all parables of a redemption, but God's amazing love for us. So I want to conclude. Is it time to conclude? <laughs> Remember, I'm, I would like to continue on, on this uh, sermon and, and talk my next sermon uh, to continue the, the path of redemption. So does anybody today need Christ? Does anybody need the Holy Spirit today? Please, you know, does anybody need to come up and have Jesus come into their life now? Come on up if you want. Um, if not, let's say a prayer. Bow your heads, please. Uh, precious Heavenly Father, we thank you for, for the many gifts you've given us. For, for your son, Lord. Um, just imagine Jesus up here right now holding out his hand um, because he loves us. He wants us to receive the amazing gift, Lord. He, he's up here calling, so if anybody wants to come up and receive Christ today, please do, or do in your seat right now. Ask Jesus Christ in your heart. He'll bring you the Holy Spirit. Through this Holy Spirit, you'll receive gifts of wisdom, understanding, guidance, love, peace, joy, all, all the gifts, Lord. Also, Lord, we thank you uh, for the many blessings you've given us, Lord. Um, thank you for uh, bringing these everyone here today, Lord, to hear your word. Uh, just pray that they be blessed, um, that their families be blessed, that everybody's kept safe from this pandemic that's out there. Pray for a hedge of protection around everyone. Pray for those families who are suffering with loved ones who are in pain uh, for bad health right now, Lord, from the pandemic, as well as health problems, as well as mental health problems. Lord, we pray for healing. We pray for blessings. We pray, pray for um, all those who couldn't be here today, Lord. Pray that their hearts be touched by you with love and mercy. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you have prayer requests or need to contact us, please email us at bikerchurchwileytexas at gmail.com or call 214-283-0620. Please send all written correspondence to 303 Highway 78, Suite 103, Wiley, Texas 75098. And if you wish to make a donation, please make all checks payable to PSMM. God bless you and have a great day.